0: Mana, This is Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guest and I discuss our lives. We'll miss the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, a.k.a. Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is many things. To pretentiously quote Walt Whitman, he contains multitudes. He is a DJ, a producer, a recording artist, a musical polymath, as Forbes referred to him once, and he was the musical supervisor for shows like Broad City, Detroiters, Difficult People, Mansicky Women, Women, excuse me, Women? No, Singular, Woman, amongst others. He also co-created, wrote, produced, and hosted the FantasticFood.com series In the Mix with Mad FX, and during the pandemic, he co-founded and curates the burgeoning small batch test kitchen, Dope Plate nyc please welcome you guessed it matt fx welcome damn man
1: what an intro thank you yeah wow thank you no of course man
0: i guess we just stop it now i feel like i can't top that now that <laughs> that reaction is like best case scenario for me i'm like beaming i'm like a plant that just got light for the first time
1: nah man that's that's amazing <laughs> it's it's thank you no nah, it's cool of course
0: man. thank you for taking the time i really appreciate it
1: absolutely absolutely it's a beautiful monday it's monday it's tuesday it's a beautiful tuesday
0: <laughs> i mean what are days anymore at this what point are days anymore that is something i I think about more and more as yes it's just of like remembering the blur of the last you know 14 months and maybe why it's been such a blur and i just think the benchmarks of life weren't really there as much because i've been cooped up predominantly in my house you know fearful of venturing out and getting sick or getting other people sick and it's just like yeah, I want to go back out to whatever whatever life is now. I still don't even know yet.
1: Totally. Totally. I mean, it's crazy, man. I can tell you in New York like things are changing. Things have things have already changed. Like we are we are very much in this very unique interstitial period uh between like, you know, pandemic prime and like the, it's I I don't mean the afterlife like heaven. I mean the afterlife <laughs> yeah. like the opposite of the before life. You know, like the after the pandemic life. Yeah, I mean the last few weeks have been utterly insane, man. Uh It's like the the nightlife is kind of just back. Like people aren't like it's not like there are packed dance floors, but the streets are certainly packed with drunk people late at night and like I and like yeah you know. I mean the vaccine percentage is high, and, like, all the different sort of, like, guidelines are are all contradicting themselves, but I think once the CDC said what they said last week, like, everyone was just like, I bet we're just gonna take our masks off then when we're, you know, walking around the street, and, like, 70% of people have done that, and it's weird, because, like, you know, before, that would have been associated with a very specific type of person, yeah. um, but now I think... You see all different, you know, it's not all like crazy anti-vaxxers. It's people who are like, well, I got vaccinated. I had it last year. Like, I don't think the risk is very high, you know, and I want to live my life. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think,
0: I guess maybe it's like TBD on some level because everybody's kind of reacclimating and figuring out, again, defining what is this now? What is this life now? But I don't know.
1: Are you excited about what's to come or what it feels (laughs) like? Well, So, you know. It's funny because, like, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, like, I do a bunch of different stuff. I've worked in a, f- a bunch of different mediums. But, like, in many ways, the most consistent thing in my life over the last decade has been DJing. Because when I haven't had one of these sort of, like, um, tentpole projects, like Broad City, that is sort of, like, my calling card, yeah, um, I can keep the lights on playing gigs and doing, like, a very sort of, like... I don't know, I always say that like DJing in many ways is like a service industry job. Like sure, like once you're playing your own music in the techno clubs, like that is very much like artistry as well. And which isn't to say there is an artistry in the service industry side of it, but like when you're playing like a Manhattan, you know, night spot or whatever, like the people are there to have fun and dance. And so like if you're sure. not playing what they want to hear like, what are you doing? You're just stroking your ego, you know? And so, like, as much as it can be rough doing, like, one of these four or five-hour gigs, for for lack of a better terms, like, you know, basic Beckys and Chads or whatever, like, as much as that can be, like, a rough thing, like, it's also, like, fantastic practice. And, like, when you're pulling it off, it's, like, it feels great. It's, like, wow. It's, like, you're just holding this Dua Lipa carrot in front of this, <laughs> full, you know, band yeah. of horses, and they're just trolloping away. It's it's crazy. Um but no, I mean like I I think uh, I think like New York is gonna be totally insane uh, this summer and like everyone keeps talking about this like you know crazy sort of like, I don't know it, it kind of sounds like almost like they're ever people are gearing up for like the summer of love or something, you know it's just this yeah. sort of like you know, but I just keep thinking about bathroom lines and uber surge prices and and uh, and, and that, that that's the part that really scares me i think uh we don't really have the infrastructure to accommodate that level of revelry you know
0: yeah it does feel like that everywhere and i can imagine somewhere too where something where with such a palpable energy as in new york would go from okay hesitant we need to do the right thing we'll just wait till it's over and then now Swinging back in a diametrically opposed way to Absolutely. go, like, full on, like, fucking we're back.
1: And, like, we're not even fully back yet, and I already have friends being like, I need to take a break. I need to get out of town. I mean, I'm being, you know, I I, I, I just did that. I, like, I've had the opportunity to DJ once every week for the last four weeks like as like money gigs for the first time in like 14 months or whatever and like sure they're all like seated but like people are having a great time and and like between all the other stuff that i've been trying to do during the pandemic because i had nothing to do and then like finally getting back on this like it's it i'm i'm definitely like coming off of like a five or six day run of madness and it's wild to be able to say that and i'm very grateful you know, to be able to get back into something like this, because like I did that, and then you mentioned, so we did dub plate on Sunday. Like it was a it was a full weekend for me, no joke. Yeah, yeah. I imagine
0: getting getting out of town might be a nice little bit of uh, a nice bit of catharsis. Especially when that's a lot to happen, probably in general, but it's certainly when you're still getting your kind of your sea legs as to what, what that is, what it's defined as, and getting your stamina back up, I guess, for like a Yeah,
1: someone, someone mentioned that their social battery is, is way shorter than it used to be, and it takes way longer to recharge. And I was like, that's a great way of putting it. Because, like, of course I want to see all my friends that I haven't seen in forever, and I want to do all the things I haven't done. But, like... You know, before it was like three, four, five things in a in a weekend, or even in a night, and now it's like, you know, one or two. And I'm I'm like, all right, I I'll see people next Wednesday, I guess. After this, like, give me four more days to to rest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense though too, because being without at least a certain amount of, of mutual energy for so long. You know, it's unnatural not to have that just as a human, to be around people, to socialize that tribalistic element. But then to be without that, I guess, long enough, there's maybe a threshold and then you have to readjust to, oh, this is too much right now. Okay, dip your toes in and then kind of gradually get back to it. But yeah, it's I guess you got to jump into the deep end to keep with that weird metaphor of water. But to (laughs) to jump back in then to realize like, oh, okay, I need to contextualize. I need to pull back a little bit and then we'll go incrementally from there, I guess. Totally. How was the first time back, T.J.? I imagine it was probably overwhelming in a predominantly great way. The first time back
1: was actually it was it was pretty perfect. Um, a friend of mine opened a new spot uh, during the pandemic. They had started it well before, and then took you know eight months off of the process, and then I, I guess got back on it maybe like last fall in terms of like trying to finish it up. But they opened up a little cocktail lounge by the name of Dingaling, Dingaling Cocktail Lounge. It's in Alphabet nice. City, which is like uh, pretty much as far east as you can go while being in the village downtown. And um, you know, the first time back was was three or four weeks ago now, and it was a Thursday night gig. And he warned me. He was like, "Look, man, we're at 50% capacity right now. Like, there's no standing. Like, it's just going to be seated." So, like, you know, if things get energetic, like, later in the night, like, you know, have fun with it. But, like, you can really do whatever you want for the first couple hours. Like, just do you. Which is not what you always hear, you know, from, like, a bar yeah. from, like, a club or something. And uh, and I got there, and, and, and it had this really beautiful kind of listening bar vibe, I felt. You know, I feel it was like, wow, this place could be in, like, Tokyo or something. And, and it was a bunch of couples or, you know, groups of three just... People on little dates, and and it was it was so nice to just be able to like stand at a booth and play some songs, and like you know it was so low pressure. It was so nice, and uh, I remember I went from like the Andrews Sisters into Jai Paul, and it was like <laughs> I get to do this. This is great, and. Later in the night, people got drunk and I got to play some music and, you know, around 1130, I would say, maybe like the last half hour, I totally shouldn't be saying this in a public podcast, but, you know, people got up and danced a little bit. And, and I guess the manager just thought, whatever, you know, the place closing half an hour, like, if anyone's still here, they're clearly like, you know, fine with being, I don't know, fine with the chances, I guess, because they are so low that like it's going down so rapidly here in terms of like with the vaccination rates and stuff, so
0: Yeah, that is the breast spot I mean obviously in, in all of this is that uh it's like anything else. We're all navigating, I guess, for the most part, as best we can. There are no rules to this thing. Do ride by yourself and others and all you can do is hope for the best because you only have so much control over this stuff. But
1: You know what it is? I was like I remember talking to someone earlier in the pandemic and I was like, you know, right now everyone has like a civic responsibility to each other to wear masks and not affect each other because you never know who you might accidentally affect, blah, blah, blah. And like, you don't want to be a vector. Right. Sure. And like, I think that flips when you have things like treatments and vaccines and like ways to mitigate the sort of like deadliness of the virus, like true deadliness. And like, Now it's sort of like, all right, if you're not seeking out something like the vaccine and you're not wearing a mask, now that's on you. Because anyone who, like my 82-year-old father is vaccinated now. And like, I don't have to worry about him anymore, you know? And like, I don't know. I think like at this point, people are still totally allowed to like do what they want to do. But they just have to accept what that's going to mean for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, to your point, like a vaccine is, it's like a defined light at the end of the tunnel. After so long, you know, you think about it, it's been what fourteen, fifteen months at this point. It's easy to say now, oh, it's been fifteen months, but at the time it was early on, like oh, six weeks, and we'll be fine, which is like <laughs> adorable now to think that. But oh, we, we, I never, we didn't know. I
1: never, I never thought that. I like, I have a, I have a pair of parents who are they're very funny, unique people, and my dad is this old New York Jew who just, like, he really, he can see, like, he called Hurricane Sandy, even. Like, he, uh-huh. like, he called me from China. My mom's Chinese. My dad is, is old and Jewish, and they're in China on vacation, and my dad calls me to be like, get all your shit out of the basement. Because, okay, so context, uh, I grew up right against the Hudson River on the West Side Highway in in downtown New York. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, I had a basement music studio in the basement of my building, which is a huge building. We were renting out one of the many studios there. The building was for artists, and um, my dad was convinced that this hurricane was going to be so bad that it was going to flood and destroy our shit. Like he, he really thought that. And at the time, like we had just had Hurricane Irene the year before, which people braced themselves for, but was wound up being nothing. And so, yeah. like no one was really seeing Sandy as like a problem. And my dad was the only person to be like, look at the almanac. (laughs) He was like, look at this, (laughs) look at the, look at the storm of 1913. Look at the storm of 65. It's going to be a motherfucker, Matthew. (laughs) Like he's literally just like, get your shit out of the basement. And we actually waited until literally the day before when like the news finally was like, Hey guys, this is like, A big deal and by that point my building had shut down the elevators so we had to get like six friends over and we did like a like an assembly line passing keyboards up the stairs vibe wow it did indeed destroy everything we left in there we probably lost like seven or eight thousand dollars worth of stuff key you know two drum sets computer a really nice fixed gear bike we like you know thought by raising and covering everything it'd be fine it wasn't Um, yeah but he saw the pandemic And like was speaking to my mother who was like keyed into like Chinese news and even more than Chinese news, like what her friends were seeing in China through like social media in terms of like whispers. Right. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like I feel like with the censorship of China, the whisper like network is just huge. Right. Because it's like it's not like no one knows anything. People know stuff, you know, Chinese people know stuff, too. And they know all the fucked up stuff, too. And, like, (laughs) it's not because they're able to just, like, read BBC, right? And so they – I don't know. Because they – like, my mom kept telling me stories that she was seeing about, like, people just dropping dead on the street and, like, no one knowing why. Because this was early enough – this was, like, last December – December 2019, like way, way, way before she was like telling us, like, if we travel, we need to like wear gloves and a mask. Like we went to Utah in February before the virus, February, and she bought us gloves and like, and like sanitizer and a spray, like a tiny little spray bottle to like spray the seat and like wipe it down on the plane. And I was wow. Like, mom, I was like, I was like, mom, I'm not going to do this. And she was like, you have to, you have to. And like, they called it. They totally called it. So when, like, uh, Tom Hanks
0: got it, you were like, well, yeah. Because that was the line of demarcation for a lot of people of Tom Hanks and the NBA shutting down or postponing. No, I
1: had a conversation with someone well before any of that where I was like, two to five million people are going to die. God. I was just like, this is what's going to happen, dude. It's going to be terrible. We're going to be – We're. it's going to be a long time. Like, I never knew – like, I didn't know if it was going to be, like – you know, six months or a year or, or two years or whatever. But I never thought it was going to be like a couple weeks.
0: Fair. Yeah, I guess I was speaking to my own then, you know, adorableness of that. Because at that point, I was just like, um, okay, six weeks. Okay. You know, obviously, if I knew then what I know now, it's a dramatically different thing and we're still coming out of it. And it's one of those things where I guess if we don't reach herd immunity, it's just always a thing. I mean, you know,
1: if it's the flu or measles or whatever, but you're probably not going to die from it unless you were already super sick, like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's another it's another virus. Like, that part doesn't phase me. It's just that, like, we didn't – because, like, I don't know. I, I assume there's got to be – this is an incredibly naive thing of me to say, but I, I assume there's got to be, like, a Dr. House solution to every medical problem where it's just, like – looking at it from a different angle and trying something that no one else tried. And then it's like bypasses like all of the steps that people were already doing to take care of this. You know what I mean? Cause right now yeah. I feel like treating it as like, Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And they're going to take a shot of this and do a shot of that. But I'm sure like in however long it's going to be like, well, if we just snip this right here, like then they won't recreate themselves, you know, whatever. Again, like medically, I have no idea, but I'm just saying like, I'm sure there's like some sort of way of making sure that it doesn't kill us. Well, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Even the vaccine and the the quick nature in which we got it is a miracle. I mean, this is a thing that's normally like two to three years to go, but the, I guess the unfortunate byproduct of, of so many people having it is that they had all these test cases, they could ramp it up exponentially faster than they ordinarily would have, which is a sad, awful bright spot, but I guess a bright spot nonetheless. That and
1: also, what, the entire world scientists all working together on... Is it Microsoft Rooms? Is that what the commercial told me? Somewhere. They're all, yeah, all yeah. the world scientists are working together.
0: Thank God for the internet in that regard. I mean, it's a wanton hellscape for many other reasons, but that geographic democratization goes a long way too. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you something about actually your show, which is great. Oh, thanks, man. It's really great in the mix of Mad FX. I feel like there's a lot of reasons, I think, for the appeal, but part of the appeal too is that it, it's a very show that feels very... Authentic to you. You're not playing a part. I mean, there are even like little moments where you have to do another take for your intro, which <laughs> right. is a great, like, when, I love that. That's a great thing because it just doesn't feel, um, it's as much beholden to form as you want it to be, which is fun. Totally. But I, I guess when you're making something like that too, and you wear a lot of hats on it, having produced it, wrote it, obviously the host of it and uh, musical supervisor, but it feels like part of it is that, you know, it's very like also relaxed and an easy flow and it's very consumable in a great way. But When you're making something like that, are you writing a line between, like, obviously you you have planned out, this is what we're going to do on this day, and we'll go here and here and here. But you also want to leave space for life and spontaneity? Or is it kind of a narrative arc is, like, stringently defined there?
1: Or you, no, there was, that? like, so I was that, talking about this show is really interesting because, first of all, you're, like, one of three people to ever ask me about it uh, <laughs> in my life. I'll um, take it. But it it's a one and dunner. We're not making a second season or anything. I had uh, a very interesting experience working with the network on it. Um, but I can tell you that in terms of pre-production, I mean actually the the making of the show was was absolutely incredible. It's just kind of what happened afterwards that was a bummer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I, I was able to convince the production company I was working with to hire a friend of mine who I had gone to high school with, and he only came on board on the condition that he could bring his whole team. And then when we finally met the person who was going to be, quote-unquote, like, the network on set with us every day, it was a girl that I knew because she had dated a friend of mine who was a DJ. So, like, being on set with people who are all your peers – and making a show with people who, who you know, are all sort of, like, coming up at the same time. Like, that energy was really incredible. And, like, we had such an amazing time working on it. And I, I can tell you that in terms of charting out these episodes, like, I was sitting in, in my friend Gabe and Tony's office, these two guys who basically directed and, and show ran the show with me, and... uh and we had this big whiteboard, and they were like, "All right, think about like all the guests, all the people that you would love to like have on this show. Think about all the cuisines you want to cover. Think about all the places you want to go. Thinking about all, and think about all the themes, you know? Because like, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of television. You know, I know there's like neat ways to like touch on different things, and I understand that like coming from things like Broad City, like sitcom structure has sort of like this ebb and flow to it. And obviously, like a food travel show isn't the same thing, but like. I mean, a perfect example is like, OK, so I was setting my my mother up for failure um, on the episode <laughs> yeah. that she featured in because I took her to a Chinese restaurant that had bacon, egg and cheese dumplings, knowing that she hates cheese and for the most part doesn't really respect fusion cuisine um or sees through the gimmick of it you know yeah and like i was setting my i I was setting her up to hate it and knowing that that was going to be like a fun camera moment but like i also knew that if we were going to end the episode with us doing dumplings at at the house i grew up in that it was probably going to be sweet you know and i'm pretty sure with that episode on the whiteboard it was like bacon egg and cheese dumplings mom's dumplings and that's like all we wrote yeah you know what i mean and like everything else was sort of just like all right, we're going to get to the restaurant and see what's going on. And like, I'm going to talk to these people. Like we didn't write a single line of dialogue or anything. And, and, you know, yeah, the, with the hangover episode, it was like, we were going to go somewhere extremely healthy. And then we're going to go eat something extremely gluttonous. And I picked the perfect sort of LA impresario who had insight on these spots. And we actually got super, super drunk the night before. So I went very method with it and was visually hungover on screen. That episode too with your mom
0: ended in a great way with what Claire DeLune was playing in the background as you all communally ate dumplings, like all the crew in a very real moment. And I thought that was like a perfect kind of, for lack of a better word, button on that episode. It was great.
1: That was totally, actually, yeah. So that was totally something that like was not planned at all. My mother just like made 80 dumplings for for whatever reason. And like, you know, she was like 100%. Getting ready to feed everyone, and I think I think it was like to, I think it was one of the two guys who doesn't actually hold a camera during the show. Like he doesn't do that for the show. He was like one of the crea- like co-creators with me who grabbed one of the cameraman's cameras and was like, "You eat. I'm gonna just film this." And that's like perfect. got up on a high perch and like filmed all the crew eating that. You know.
0: But I feel like that's exactly the type of thing people respond to. I really think people just intrinsically respond to authenticity, and so those real moments. Or, what really punctuate a show, I guess, that is like filled with real moments, even, you know, with certain like basic ideas mapped out. But otherwise, it's just a series of
1: this is what I'm interested in. And hey, this would be cool. Let's do this. Totally. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I, that was really like my dream with that show, was just to sort of like highlight aspects of food and, and music culture that I thought were getting overlooked. That show was really just like, uh, I mean, another perfect example is, like, this culture of drinking Club Mate in the clubs, which is, like, a German carbonated take on a South African tea. And the sort of, like, ritual of pouring a little bit of liquor down the bottle when you're, like, out all night that, like, came from Berlin to Brooklyn. And it's like, oh, that seems like a cute thing that, like, no one knows about outside of these cultures, you know? I sure as hell didn't. I mean, in general, I knew, you know, about the basic beverage, but
0: then the carbonating it into like a soda and then adding to your point, like the vodka or whatever it was. I didn't know any of those things would go together, let alone seemingly work. I guess I don't know from
1: experience, but it looked really good. And I can tell you, man, like if you're going for an all nighter in a warehouse and it's like 5am and you've been there for like six hours or whatever, like, uh... A lightly carbonated sweet soda is much better than like just another beer at that point.
0: Fair, yeah. I think at that point I would need some some kind of upper to mitigate probably my my downward phase that I'm going toward at that
1: point. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. It's there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lulls, ebbs, <laughs> ebbs and flows.
0: About your chicken sandwich, the signature that you're making as part of Dubplate NYC. Yes. First of all, I'm deeply jealous because all I have are photos, and it looks—I can't imagine the taste, but it looks unbelievably good.
1: I mean, I've spent—I've spent five years working on it, so if it wasn't good at this point, it'd be pretty disappointing. <laughs> I think, like, fair.
0: When you're making, a, I've never talked to somebody who's made a. The signature, let alone a signature, sandwich. Well, it's it's our sandwich. signature. It's not oh, well, sure. It's not
1: the one signature. Everyone's got one, right? That's the whole, the whole Well, thing. apparently yours is the best, though, according to Busboy. Yeah. I, that not that crazy? That's the, fir- that's the wild. first people to officially write about it, and that's how they, like, led—that's what they led with. Like, we're, we're really, uh, yeah. No, I Planted
0: don't. their flag. Dear God.
1: Yeah. It sounds amazing, though. When you're making that, and obviously
0: you said it was five years in the making, too— Was there an end goal in mind to which, like, this is what I want to accomplish with this? Or is it more of, like, a gut instinct of, this is done and ready to put out?
1: Um, I don't know if there was an end goal, necessarily. I can tell you that I used to live in this sort of, like, halfway home for artists and cooks and other lost souls, and there were four roommates and a music studio in the basement, and always, like, a revolving door of people coming in to work on music. One of my roommates did tattoos, so at any given point, there was, like, a crew of dudes in the living room while someone's getting, like, a whole back piece done on on a massage table. It's madhouse. And and at some point, (laughs) I decided to start frying chicken knowing that it was going to be, like, a pretty long journey of, like, getting good with it and knowing that, like, it was – that I was already going to gain, like, an unbelievable amount of weight if I was making it every day, that, like, the best way to do this is to constantly have five to ten people to give this chicken to because I can't eat it all, and it's going to take a while to get good at this. And I think that was, like, how it kind of started. I was making these sandwiches, and pretty early on, I, like, figured out one aspect of it that pretty much hasn't changed since, like, four or five years since it started, um, which is this, like – what basically becomes our secret sauce, which is a mayo-based sauce that on the other side has this, like, crazy fermentation. It's it's these, like, pickles, this relish from Chengdu in China, which is, like, the spice capital, the mala Sichuan numbing spice. And so, like, really, really crazy funky flavors. Um, and that's been in the sandwich forever. And, like, I don't know. Over the years, like, different things have changed. The slaw changed drastically from, like version two to version three and it wasn't really until right before the pandemic that i had like i think figured it out to a point where i was like ready to share it with anyone um and we were planning i had just done one and i had two more on the books we were planning to do like a thing where like every six to eight weeks i had a little party at like a, a venue that was equipped for both food and like nightlife kind of vibe, like uh, like an Ace hotel, for instance. And okay. the idea was like pick like a really like low impact time Thursday evening, Sunday afternoon, somewhere where they don't have something booked necessarily and my friends aren't like, you know planning to do other stuff necessarily and and just like put a DJ on have some sandwiches on the menu have their chef sort of like cook it that night, one night only vibes and, and do this like little sort of like thing where I'm sort of proliferating this, this uh, menu item. Uh, but obviously the pandemic put the kibosh on that. And um, my girlfriend and I just like started cooking a lot together as like a way to pass the time and inventing dishes together. And, and that's sort of how dub plate happened where we were like, wait a minute, what if we just sold the sandwich and like one other thing every couple of weeks? and just see what happens. And and now we're, yeah, now we're, like, eight months in. Now now we're, like, uh, now we've been doing it for a while, and uh, it's crazy, man. We made 70 sandwiches on Sunday. Dear God. Out of, like, a home kitchen, like, completely illegally. <laughs> <laughs> and now
0: you're doing it at the end of this month, too, right? You're doing it's kind of, like, a official or unofficial twice a month situation.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's starting to get difficult, too, because, like, as I mentioned before, like the DJing is coming back and stuff. And so now I'm like, people are asking if I want to play a gig on a Saturday night. That's directly before like a dub plate day. And like, could I pull it off? Probably. Do I want to, like, it sounds like hell. And, <laughs> and so I think I'm going to have to make that choice eventually. Um, my girlfriend also has been sort of uh, promoted at the restaurant she's at. And it's just created this entire cocktail menu for them, invented a bunch of different drinks and is still in the process of making sure all of the bartenders and servers at the restaurant, like know how to make these drinks perfectly. And, and, and that, like the system is being implemented. She's got like a bitters program and stuff. So like, it's hard to commit even to just two days a month because those two days have four or five days of work preceding them. You know, these specials are dishes that we, we, we are, kind of coming up with on our own and, and tinkering until we get right. And, and we're not, we're not cooks. We're not chefs. Like, it's funny because I, I had the food show first, right? But like, I never had any true cooking credibility. And I didn't claim to, but like now at the very least, I could say that I've done this and like served, however, 500, 600 sandwiches at this point. So you have a proof of concept now, right?
0: You know, it's funny that when I think about to, unsubtly transition i guess but thinking about it now about your cooking show and being a music supervisor and being a dj i feel like the through line of all of these different hats you wear is just and perhaps i'm speaking out of my ass and or projecting but it feels like it's you have an overwhelming curiosity is that deeply incorrect
1: uh no no that's it's i have an over yeah that and also i just like really like to put things together i think like, put things next to each other and see if it works, you know? Like, because the, the food, too, is like, I don't know, like, I, I everyone, myself included, gives, like, fusion food a bad rap when it's just, like, a really cheesy, like, what is it? Like, a Philly cheesesteak egg roll or something like that. Like, it's like, whatever, right? That's It's, it's, it's lowbrow at this point. But, like, many of these recipes that we're doing is, like, trying to really find the through line between two cultures or two cuisines. And, and justify why mashing these flavors up like actually works and i think that's very much coming from my dj side of like finding two tracks that have no business being played on top of one another and, yeah and yet it's like oh this is great
0: or like marrying yeah marrying these seemingly disparate things and finding that that commonality, or that through line that infusion factor i guess
1: or or putting just like very 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 hardcore like screamo trap over like a scene with Abby and Alana where like it totally didn't call for it. And yet somehow (laughs) it's like totally working.
0: I love that. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what are you listening to right now?
1: I, you know, I just got into someone and I've been really obsessed with this artist who I guess if you like kraut uh sorry not kraut I guess if you like yacht rock you're like mm-hmm. very familiar with already but most of the people I've asked haven't heard of him his name is Ned Doane do you know who this guy is I do not uh 1976 was the year that his album that I fell in love with came out came out uh, it's funny. My roommate, my old one of my old roommates, I was playing him this record the other day, and he heard it for the first time, and he and he goes 1976, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this came out in 76, and I'm like, how would you know that? <laughs> and and I googled it, and it did. And he was like, yeah, it sounds like 76. And I'm like, that's insane that people can just hear that. But um, he's got unbelievable hooks. Unbelievable. There's two songs. One's called Get It Up for Love, and the other one is called Labor of Love. And like, man, these songs are. Earworms. They are just like both of them have just been stuck in my head for like three weeks straight.
0: I'm very excited to unpack. It looks like Hard Candy 1976 by Ned DiNeni. That's very exciting,
1: dude. Like, I mean, that this is exactly the type of music where I was like early on in the night at a cocktail lounge before like the party really gets started and people are just on their dates. Like, if I could play something like this and see like the bartender tapping their toes a little bit and like. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like setting a vibe. Like that's, it doesn't always have to be a packed dance floor for me for someone to get gratification doing DJing. I think you know, and uh, the songs like this are a great example of that.
0: Well, this is perfect for me too because I've been living unofficially in the '70s, watching a lot of '70s movies in the last oh, four or five months. So yeah, good. Now I got a '70s soundtrack to check out. Perfect. Totally. <laughs> This is the last thing I'll ask you. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we have a commonality in that we are both at least self-identified Anglophiles. I'm a big fan of many British shows, but
1: what are some of your favorites? Oh man, no one's ever asked me this. I feel like I, I feel like I'm on hot ones. You've got such amazing questions. Like you, you literally like are asking things that I I I dream of being asked. Um, oh please, okay, this is perfect then. Uh, yeah, no, there's two British shows that I'm obsessed with, and it's funny because they are, like, extreme polar opposites. Um, okay. I'll lead with the one that's a little bit more mainstream. Uh, it's called Taskmaster. I was introduced to it on New Year's Day. Uh, very, very, very hungover from someone who I went to school with growing up with. We had a, a group of 10 or 11 of us went upstate, actually to where I am now, to a, to my friend's house. We all got tested. And you know, we had a little ten person New Year's party and the following day we're figuring out something to watch and Sophia goes, Oh, have you seen Taskmaster? And it is so funny and I've heard it's so good. I've heard it so good. I need to watch it. So okay, so you're you're aware of it. I would recommend yes. starting with season four. Okay. Because season four has Noel Fielding from the Mighty Boosh and now Great British Bake Off. Mel Gidroy, who used to be on Great British Bake Off, and Lolly Adafopi, who's on Shrill, which is on Hulu, A.D. Bryant show. Yeah. And so, like, out of any season, that show has the most like American friendly personalities. Cause I can tell you, man, as as a self professed anglophile, all these other seasons, I had no idea who these comedians are. And now I'm like really into them. But like it's definitely like a show it strikes some of the same sort of notes for me at least that a show like at midnight used to do where it's like you're getting to know these comedians and getting to see their personalities through like you know trials and tribulations but it takes it so much farther because taskmaster is just so goddamn zany and the stuff that they have to do is just absolutely ridiculous um definitely watch it definitely watch okay. it and then the other show is the crown jewel uh, of all i mean this show is like i've seen I've seen like fifteen seasons of it now, and some of these seasons have like thirty episodes. Am I am I am I saying that right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's like sixteen seasons. Um, it's called Only Connect. Have you ever heard of Only Connect?
0: Oh my god, I've not. Okay, now I'm very excited.
1: So Only Connect used to be on, uh, BBC Four, and then it moved to BBC Two like two or three years ago, right? And it's been on the air since – i I've now Googled it just to make sure I got my facts right. It's been on the air since 2008. So it's been on the air for, what, 13 years now? And since getting obsessed with this show, I've probably met 30, 40 British people in my life. And I've asked every single one of them if they've ever watched Only Connect because I'm curious. And I swear to God, out of like 30 or 40 people, maybe six have seen Only Connect before or have heard of okay. it. Like this is as niche as it gets, Brandon. This is, I'm so excited. This show is the hardest quiz show in the world, oh, like mm-hmm. like Jeopardy Perfect. is just has nothing on this show. Millionaire, <laughs> no, like no, never has a show been this annoying on purpose. It is so deliberately it's just, spiteful. Yeah. It's, it's and the woman who hosts it is just a, a goddess and a firebrand. She's married to comedian David Mitchell, and in her own right, she's a a poker legend, like an international poker star.
0: I've read about her, yeah.
1: And just, like, the cheekiest... Her retorts, her responses, like, oh my god. And she takes as long as she wants on tangents it's so funny if she like has something to say between questions that's like a personal anecdote she'll go on for like three minutes in the middle of this like very structured game show that by the way is so fucking dry and like the people who go on it like i don't know if you ever watched early great british bake-off before it changed networks but like early bake-off was full of like home bakers who had no business being on television, and like that to me was like part of the reason why it was so fun. It was these like British truck drivers and just like random ass people. Well, like only connect is for like the nerds and people on the spectrum, and like some of these teams, it's it's hilarious, and it's it's dude, this show is like I I probably watched over a hundred episodes before I start getting. Before I start getting questions, like, right every episode I watch. Like, now I watch an episode and I could probably get, like, two, maybe three questions right out of, like, 30. But there was definitely, like, a learning curve. (laughs) Like, my girlfriend's really into it now. She's probably seen, like, 40 or 50 episodes, but she's still only gotten, like, two right out of those, like, 40 or 50 episodes. It's insane. It's, it's, It's totally insane. It's all lateral thinking. It's crazy. I'm beaming right
0: now. Just the idea of that. Anything quiz-related, I'm all about, just out of curiosity. But especially one that just sounds like, on every conceivable level, is is just not fucking around. I love. Especially in a dry British way. This is, like, built for me.
1: Um, Again, I can give you the perfect season to get started with. Just so, okay. you, like, I would highly recommend starting with Season 14, Episode 1. Because there's a question in Round 2 that has to do with years like, I, I'm going to need you to get back to me about this, by the oh, way. Oh, I will. I'm, I'm not kidding. There's a question in, in round two about, like, certain, like, it's like 2015, 1985, 1955, and you're supposed to, like, figure out what the fourth one is supposed to be and why it's that. And, like, the answer to this question is so fucking mind-blowing that, like, I just fell in love with the show for life. Just, just head over heels. And... Yeah, I mean, dude, it's 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 totally crazy. Like, I remember there was one episode where it went from the answer had something to do with Pokemon cards, and then the next question's answer had something to do with fascist Italian dictators. And like, she was like, "If you've ever wondered like what the show is all about, it's like the last two questions totally got it." Like, it's it's incredible. And like, don't get me there's always gonna be like. This is worth saying. There's always going to be like 20% of the questions in an episode will be just too British for us to have ever gotten. Like, they'll just be too specific to things in London or things in the UK. But you'll think it's one of those questions, and then it'll be like uh, Western United States states descending from Washington down southwards. Like, Like, the amount that they know about our country is just crazy. I'm all about a show that is like, so
0: spiteful that to that degree to where going into it, I'm resigned to my fate of not knowing 99% of them. I'm perfectly fine with that. If anything, it's a learning experience, and I'll take that as just a free info download. So that's perfect for me.
1: Yeah, no, it's, dude, I mean, if you're at a quiz shows and you're an anglophile and, and you like things that are going to teach you more than you're going to know about, like, this is for you. Okay, perfect. There, You know, it actually reminds me.
0: There's a, a podcast, I, don't, I mean, maybe you've heard of it, called um, No Such Thing as a Fish,
1: and it's hosted by three, four, four QI researchers. Mm. They joke around about how simple QI is all the time. I've never seen it. Yeah,
0: it's by comparison of what you're describing with Only Connect. Yeah, it sounds like adorably mundane by comparison, but it's, they give out like all of the interesting miscellaneous random facts that they don't show on the show. So it's all this stuff that comes out of the research that doesn't make it on the broadcast. I think they each present, like, two facts. And then each of them, after having done research on it themselves, kind of colors in some of the details. And it's sure. pretty entertaining. It's good. That sounds great. It's good. The funny thing is that, that, that speaking of Taskmaster... Taskmaster. I'd heard about it because James Acaster. Oh yeah, he's, he's amazing.
1: Seven. He's dude. He's in. Uh, he's on a season. Of, yeah, he's. I'm obsessed with him now. Have you watched his uh, new special? I have. I've recommended it to a few people. It's so it's
0: so good. I apps I've watched it a few times now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the. It's like, I definitely think it's like a masterwork. Just sort of like this is, this is like a. This is a absolutely brilliant comedian who is just getting into his own. Like it reminds me of like early Chappelle, you know? Yes. But also that whole bit with Rowan Atkinson is just like <laughs> it's so it's like there is nobody else in the world who can say that they can relate to him. And like that is just like So incredible. It's so, it's, it's like not a short special too. It's like two hours. Like it's,
0: it's like, yeah, two, two and a half hours with an intermission. That's like 15, 20 minutes. Fucking incredible. To your point though. It's like, I'm in awe of anybody who is, especially like a stand up comedian who like everything about what he did in that. He is in complete control. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's so endlessly impressive, and so fucking funny too. It's the fact that he's so in control; he's not scared of silence, which is unbelievable. His
1: only connect season, by the way, like he—he's definitely getting picked on for most of the season. Like, he—I didn't realize how brilliant he was just from his. I mean, not only connect his taskmaster appearance, because um, like he—he's frequently, yeah, he's frequently doing kind of the easy way out. But it's – I don't know. You you got to watch them. These okay. are both – you're going to love them,
0: man. Have you listened to his podcast Off Menu? It seems like it's perfect for you.
1: I know. I, I have to peep it. I also need to – he wrote a book, I think, about 2016 being the best year of music for all time. and Yeah, I need to read that. I, I frequently say that 2016 was the best year for rap music in the new millennium. So, like, I – I we, we got to that conclusion separately. I'd, I'd love to meet the guy sometime. He seems like uh, – I think we'd get along great you know
0: yeah outside of obviously being so funny and having a very distinct delightful perspective he also seems like such a sweet guy yeah i i would love to meet him but um yeah dude thank you for doing this this was a real delight like i really appreciate your time
1: of course man i had a great time thank you so much for uh asking such great questions seriously oh thank you of course what do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Um, pointing people towards. On June 11th, I am releasing two songs uh, on all streaming platforms with an artist called Malika. There are two songs called – one is called A Love Beginning and the other one's called Perro No Te Quiero." I, I worked very hard on them and I think they're very nice and I would love for everyone to listen to them. And uh, if you're in New York, come try the Chicken Sandwich and uh, and Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's kind of all I, I can say about that.
0: Yeah, and in the in the meantime, Vaquero, check out Vaquero oh, yeah. on MadFX.bandcamp.com and everywhere
1: else, presumably. Yeah, totally. It's a great song. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and please let me know what you think of uh, Only Connect. when We get around to it.
0: Man, I I'm so excited to watch it. So excited. But um, thank you again. This is this is great. Awesome. And thank you all for listening. Please take care. Stay safe. Wear a mask, I I guess. I don't know anymore. Just be safe. Do right by yourself. Do right by others. Lead with empathy. Stay safe. And goodbye. Peace out.